My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true, he showed all his glory so there's no excuse. So worship, adore him, and baptize his name. So let us the ages his greatness proclaim. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and he is alive. The Christ is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and He is alive. He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave, exalted on high for the life that He gave. So glory and honor and praise is His name. So chaos of kingdoms His sonship proclaim. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive. The Christ is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the Bible and it is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the Bible and it is alive. The Spirit inspired the great men of God who penned all the while here on this song, it sharpens and swords and it passes the same. Since powers is failing, its worth we proclaim. God's word is alive, God's word is alive, God's word is alive. With Christmas only being one week away, you know, we all know that around this time of year, it is very uh, customary for us to talk about the birth of Jesus. And I think that that is all well and good. I think it's a wonderful thing if we can focus on and recognize this wonderful gift that God gave us by sending his son. But now, what I want us to do right now uh, together for a little bit is, is focus on a phrase that's connected with the birth of Jesus. Not just the birth of Jesus at, at large, but specifically this phrase that is God with us. Because honestly, I think that is, is so much at the heart of the importance of Jesus being born among us. So to take a look at this phrase, God with us, we are going to look at the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, this is what we read. Now, by the way, just to keep you up to, to speed about what has uh, happened up to this point, if you open up your Bible and take a look at Matthew chapter 1, you see that it starts off with the genealogy of Jesus, just telling us, who he is, specifically that he is connected with Abraham and that he's connected with David. So now we see in verse 18 that the story is going to go deeper than that. Beginning in verse 18, we read, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now at first, like I said, around this time of year, we so oftentimes focus on the birth of Jesus. However, when you look at this, you see in verse 18, it's described as, well, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. But the actual birth, it happens there in verse 25. And literally, all that it is, is not even the whole verse 25. You know, you might think, okay, if we're setting this up and this is going to be a huge focus for us on the birth of Jesus, then it's going to be like this big, you know, multiple chapters of the Bible or something like that. And it's not, not at all. In fact, the actual birth of Jesus comes to us in verse 25. And it just says that she gave birth to a son. I mean, that, that is all that we get about the, you know, the actual birth. But there was so much that was leading up to it and so much that continues on that gives it this meaning. And especially this phrase of God with us. So now as we look at this passage through that idea of God with us. I want us to see that our God is a wonderful God who intervenes. Now I've put here on the screen, I've underlined a few of these different phrases and I want you to work through these with me. And I want you to notice that our God has done something wonderful. Now we see this in the birth of Jesus and specifically what, what I'm going to point out to you is that what we see here with Jesus, God is intervening just as he has since the creation of the world. In fact, if you want to kind of connect some of these uh, these things together, you'll notice that, you know, in this story of Jesus, in so many ways, we really kind of see the story of God's people from the beginning of time. Let me explain this. We start off in verse 18, which is describing the birth of Jesus the Messiah, the birth or the beginning. And in this case, if we go back to the very beginning of not Jesus the Messiah, but if we go back to the beginning of creation, whenever God created everything, the birth of creation found in Genesis 1, we will see that so many of these things that are here in this text also track in line with what we see in the scriptures. Because we see the birth of Jesus, or the birth of creation in verse 18. But as you keep reading, you see that the Holy Spirit is involved. Now, you might think the Holy Spirit didn't come up in, until, you know, much, much, much later. But actually, if you read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, you find out that it's already talking about the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Lord. Now, that is the Holy Spirit. And he's already there. And right there, he's hovering before, uh, he's hovering over the waters of creation. And creation is about to come forth. So the Holy Spirit is there from the very beginning of time, and he appears many times throughout the Old Testament and many times throughout the New Testament. As you get into verse 19, you also find out that another way that God communicates is through angels. We see that the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph this time uh, in a dream. Now, it doesn't take you very long at all to pick up on angels described in the Bible. In fact, I would say to you that in Genesis chapter 3, Whenever they are kicked out of the garden, if you follow that story and you see that when they get kicked out of the garden, what is there? 
we see cherubim are described to guard the way back to the land of Eden. Now, at first that seems kind of odd because they're kicked out. Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden because of their sin. And you might think, well, that's just, you know, that's not very nice of God to guard the way back. But he does it for a reason. He does it because he actually cares and because God has a plan. He sets up the cherubim there because Adam and Eve do not need to take from the tree of life and live in that sinful state that they have found themselves because they've disobeyed God. God has a plan. God has a plan of how he's going to redeem his people, which is kind of where we come to this next uh, uh, point of this found in verse 21. That it says, he will save his people from their sins. Now, this is part of the message that Joseph is getting about Jesus. But, you know, we also see this carried out in the pages of the Bible. Because after we see that there is the angels that keep them from getting back into the garden, we see that Christ is given um, to, to save. This was always God's plan. Now, we needed deliverance. We needed salvation. Adam and Eve needed salvation. And it was ultimately going to come through this plan that God had even before the creation of the world to bring his son into this world. Now, this message we know about because the prophets, like verse 22 states, you know, even with Jesus, we see that the prophets were, were a big part in there. Because this here in, prophet, uh, in the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, that's what is quoted right here about the one who's going to, a virgin will, uh, will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see that it's through the prophets. The prophets are the ones who were, they spoke, or and they were guided uh, by God. But still throughout time, we see the, pri the prophets helped us and, and shed light on a lot of things that without the prophets we would you know be in the dark on. However, we still needed more than just the prophets. The prophets alone throughout history were not going to redeem us. That's why we get in verse 23, we needed Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a big part of the story. It is when God decided to come and to literally live with us in the form of Jesus, the Messiah. This is what we, we read about here in the pages of Matthew as, as his gospel begins. And this is the message that God is with us. This is how God has saved us. By sending his son Jesus to this earth to live among us. But not just among us, but as one of us. And he died on the cross so that we can have forgiveness of sins. All of this is part of the story of God. Now, this phrase, God with us, we actually see some connections into other parts of the Bible. And I want to point out some of those. The first one that I want to point out is, actually, I want us to go to what would be the uh, thought of as the end um, of the Hebrew Bible. Now, to us, the end of the Hebrew Bible is, is found uh, you know, after the prophets and all. But actually, the, the Jewish way of thinking and how Jesus um, even talks about the end of his Bible, it would be the book of Chronicles, actually, in 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles chapter 36. This is the very end of what would be the, the Old Testament, kind of the last book of their Bible. They had a different way of ordering it. I'm not saying they had a different um, Old Testament than what we, what we do, but during Jesus' day, this is the order that they came up with. Now, we have a different order today that we go by for various reasons. We're not going to get into all of that. Just recognize this would have been like the last words that were recorded in uh, the, the Old Testament. So in Second Chronicles chapter 36, 
we are at the uh, end, you know, chronologically speaking, we're at the end of really the, the Old Testament whenever uh, things are, are going to be uh, made new and, and brought back in and all. So in this passage here in Second Chronicles 36, 22 and 23, we read, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up and may the Lord, their God, be with them. So that's kind of the last book of the Old Testament, kind of the, the last thought that's left there. Now, of course, we know that there's a little bit more because they do go back and they start rebuilding the temple. And we can get some of that um, uh, defined in, in, the, in the prophets and some of the other writings. But here, kind of this is, this is, a, big, um, this is a big moment in history that at the end of the Bible, they're left with this phrase, any of his people among you may go up and may the Lord their God be with them. So God with us was even kind of a, a blessing that Cyrus kind of gave uh, the, the Israelites as they went back to the land. And as they went back to the land, yes, God was with them. And yes, they started to see the restoration of things, but not of all things. That's why in the New Testament, we see it open up. They still kind of felt like there was there was things that that weren't quite right in their world. And Jesus came, literally, as God with us, to be one of us. Now, this is one of the passages in the Old Testament um, that the phrase God with us is connected with. However, there's another uh, passage that I want us to look at, too, another connection. And that is not the end of the Old Testament, but the end of Matthew's Gospel. So at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, we find out about Jesus the Messiah, who is God with us. Now, at the very end, in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we all know this as the Great Commission, but pay attention to the very end of it. You know, we like to focus on um, verses, especially 19, and then the first part of verse 20. But what about the last part of verse 20? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Did you notice this? You know, we like to focus on this first part. And I mean, all this is well and good. You know, all authority has been given to Jesus. Okay, that's what the entirety of Matthew's gospel has been about. On all this authority in heaven and on earth, it's been given to Jesus, and he's been exercising that authority throughout this gospel. Because of that fact, because we see all this power, because we see all this authority come uh, to us in Jesus Christ, he leaves his disciples and us as well this task in verse 19, that we are called to make disciples of all these nations. We are called to baptize them, and we are called, as the very first part of verse 20 says, to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them. But then the end comes. The end of Matthew's gospel is, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age, God with us. It not only connects the dots throughout the Old Testament and tells us this wonderful story that God is with us. He always wanted to be with us and he has made a way for God to be with us and for us to be with God. He has made a way to deliver us, to bring salvation, and it is through Jesus Christ.
And he says that he is going to be with us always. This is a wonderful promise, a wonderful thing that, that we see in this, this early part of Matthew, but also the, the last part of Matthew and everywhere in between that God is with us. This is so closely connected with the gospel story. It's not by accident then whenever you, you read writings from others as well, like the Apostle Paul. I want us to take a look at, at the book of Romans and how he starts because when he is proclaiming the gospel, he connects it to Jesus and God with us. Uh, notice this here. In Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, most of the time we just look at this and we would just think, you know, well, this is just the introduction of, uh, you know, of this book, just like with Matthew. You know, we just think, oh, that's the introduction stuff. And sometimes the introduction is not always that entertaining to us, and so we might like to skip over it. However, so many times there's important things to look at. In the book of Romans, we most certainly see it. He starts it off like this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith through his, for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We see here in Romans this wonderful connection because we see that Jesus Christ, yes, he came to us and in his earthly life in verse 3, yes, he was a descendant of David. Yes, he was a Jew. But in verse 4, through the Spirit, what is it? He was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. This is Jesus Christ our Lord. This is at the heart of the gospel. It is wonderful that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus and the wonderful gift that Jesus was to this earth. But even more than just kind of the idea that God gave us the gift of, of you know, his son and, and the gift of, of life in, in, uh, uh, as we read it as Jesus being born. Even more than that, we see that with Jesus, he is our Lord. Jesus is God with us. In this passage, you see that he can be called that because he's raised from the dead. Now, I know it's so weird to think about, you know, the birth of Jesus, but then, well, he, he raised from the dead. Yes, at the end of his life, he died on that cross. He died on the cross not because he did anything wrong, but he died because to take our place on that cross. But he didn't end there with his death. He raised it from the dead, giving us also hope that we can be raised from the dead as well. Not just the descendants of David, or not just the Israelites, like verse 3 is talking about. But in verse 4, we see that, you know, there's this through the Spirit and through this resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ is our Lord. And because of that, verse 5 tells us that all of the Gentiles, to call all the Gentiles, you know, that task is still going on today. That would mean all of the nations, all other people, not just the nation of Israel, but all other nations can also say that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Our identity, everything about us, is found in Jesus Christ, wrapped up. Yes, his earthly life, he was a descendant of David. That's powerful because that was part of the story. It was part of the promise. And through the Spirit, we see that he has been 
uh, appointed the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. So many things are found to us and given to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is, is our God with us. So I want you to think about this thought as well. Whenever you hear the phrase God with us, I want you to be reminded that God is with us. Jesus Christ promised to be with us to the very end of the age. You know what? That means he's still with us today. Wonderful words of hope. Wonderful words of hope that likely somebody around you this Christmas season also desperately needs to hear.